Welcome to the LifeWatch Eric podcast, a window on science, bringing you the latest from the e-science infrastructure on biodiversity and ecosystem research. I'm Julian Kenny, and today we're talking with Katrina Exter and Matthias Obst. Katrina, let me start with you. Where do you work? I work at the Flanders Marine Institute, which is on the uh, west coast of Belgium. Uh, we have a data center here, so I work as a data manager, managing data from various projects. And Matthias, you're not in Belgium. No, I'm from Sweden. I'm a marine biologist at the University of Gothenburg on the west coast of Sweden. And I work with the exploration and the protection of marine biodiversity. And the, um, the case, research case we're looking at today concerns arms, which we'll come and explain in a little while. But arms, it regards hard-bottom communities. Matthias, what are hard-bottom communities? Well, if you take a look into the ocean uh, under the surface, then you will find all these wonderful uh, creatures settling on the seafloor. And that's often uh, made up of hard bottoms like uh, rocks and stones and reefs. And that's where you find these type of uh, organisms, animals and plants. But it can also be artificial substrates like uh, ship hulls or uh, constructions in the harbors, uh, these kind of things. That's where these organisms settle. And they can be um, moving around like crabs, but they can also be attached like seaweed or kelps or uh, f any other animals that, that live there. And what's the environmental issue with hard-bottom communities? Well, one of the big problems is to really understand how they are thriving uh, under the influence of human pressures and under the influence of climate change because it's very difficult to sample seafloor uh, everyone understands you cannot bring up a huge piece of rock from the seafloor to investigate it further. You can do that with water samples and with sediment samples, but the hard bottom cannot be moved. So that is a problem. So we have to bring the sampling down to the seafloor, and that's what these arms units do. Um, arms. Perhaps we should explain what arms is exactly it's an acronym yeah the acronym means autonomous reef monitoring structures um and what it is really uh quickly explains explained it's a 10 floor luxury residential complex it's about 40 centimeters tall and it's made of a, of a stack of plates that's sitting on top of each other but they're leaving a lot of space in between them so you can create all kinds of microhabitats and crevices and small shelters for all these creatures to creep in and colonize the environment. So, so that's what an arms unit looks like. And the, um, the, the arms project was included in the internal joint initiative by LifeWatch Eric, which was you know, the past two years now, it's the development of a next generation virtual research environment. Um, can you explain how that works a bit, Katrina, the, the VRE part? Yes. So the data that we collect from one of these arms units, um, they're put down for a few months to up to a year of time. When we bring these up, the first thing we do is take photographs of 
of the residents on each of these plates. Um, so we have image data. Uh, then the residents are um, killed, <laughs> scraped, blended, and then they're processed for their DNA. And so we have DNA data that come out of these arms units as well. Um, visual observations are also made by the scientists when they, when they go um, and collect the arms units and they see things and they write down what they see. Um, so we have images, DNA data, visual observations, and a mountain of metadata that accompany these data to describe them properly. And we do this year after year. So it's an awful lot of data that's collected. The volume of data is, is large, but also the diversity of data is large. So these virtual research environments, this particular LifeWatch Eric VRE, is designed to allow a scientist to, to explore the data without, well, in a way that allows them to know everything that's available for them to, to work on and to know the relationships between these different parts of the data with each other um, so that you don't get confused, so you don't forget what you're supposed to be analyzing, and so you can get a sort of, you can fully exploit this data set. Um, so that's, that's one reason why the, the, we actually were happy to have our project included with the, in this VRE. Um, the data coming off um, arms is also uh, very valuable because um, hard bottom, monitoring of hard bottom communities um, is not something that's done quite so commonly amongst all the other sorts of marine monitoring um, that happens. And so it's providing a data set that, that, doesn't, that doesn't really exist anywhere else. So it's a valuable data set for the IJI to be um, working on. Um, and well, yeah, so, so together it's basically, they, they, the IJI is providing something that we can use and we're providing something that the IJI can use. Great. And I understand there's a, um, there's a, a, a guiding principles on the integration of these data, which is known as FAIR. Can you explain what FAIR is? Yeah. So, so FAIR itself, it's, it's an acronym. It stands for findable, accessible, interoperable, and reusable. And it's, uh, it stands for a set of principles that, that concern how we share data, how we share data, not just with other scientists within our own project, but with data, with scientists that we don't know, scientists on the other side of the world, but also with non-scientists, particularly uh, educators and policymakers. Um, there's an awful lot. I mean, there's millions and millions and millions of data sets out there and uh, that, that anybody can use. But if you don't know what's out there, then it's, it's very hard to know what you can use and it limits the amount of science that can be done. So that's what the F in, in FAIR stands for, making, datable, making data findable, findable by these other people. And you should be able to, 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 to essentially Google where can I get my hard bottom community data set from as easily as Googling what's on at the cinema this weekend. And LifeWatch Eric will come up as the response. Yes. Well, yes. Oh, well, one of the responses, yes. Uh, the A in FAIR stands for accessible, so it's about making data easily for people to access. So once they've found it, they have to be able to get hold of it. The I stands for interoperable, so once you've gotten hold of it, you have to understand it. 
um, you have to be able to, you have to describe everything that's in the data set. You shouldn't be using any acronyms or any nicknames or you should ex explain everything that's there so that I can understand it and then I can reuse it, which is the R affair. I can understand everything that was done in the experiment, everything that was done to create this data, so I know how to reuse the data. And FAIR is, is not just about the philosophy of sharing data, it's about the technical capabilities. It's about implementing the applications, implementing the, the um, technical um, needs uh, that allow people to make data FAIR. It all sounds quite complicated. We, we've been putting in some hard work putting together all this data from different sources. Um, are there a lot of people involved in, in your work? Well, there are a lot of people involved in, um, in FAIR projects, a lot of uh, European projects that are focused on making um, scientific outputs FAIR. And um, they are working on producing these technical uh, protocols, these, te these applications, these user interfaces, these websites that allow you to make data fair. Um, of course, the devil is in the detail. Um, for example, making data interoperable for biological data sets is very different to making data interoperable for astronomical data sets, for example. So this is where the specialists like Matthias and myself come in. We know about the data in our field. Um, and we know how to make our data interoperable. But we're working together with the ARMS data with many different projects, as well as LifeWatch ERIC. We're working together with uh, EMBRC, the European Marine Biology Resource Center, and its related project, Assemble Plus. We're working together with some individual institutes. Um, the HCMR, the Hellenic Center for Marine Research, is doing a lot of the, the DNA uh, analysis of, of our ARMS data. We're working with um, WORMS, which is the World Register of Marine Species, uh, in order to identify what the species are that we're getting out of our armed data. And, and many other um, data archives, uh, data specialists. It's, it's a very interesting project because there are really, there's really an awful lot to learn because you're working together with so many different specialists. And Matthias, what... You know, where are we up to? What are the results really coming out of all this analysis? Well, we can see already that we have now a timeline of uh, genetic data from hardware and communities across European observatories that we have deployed in this project. And this timeline stretches now three years. So we can not only start seeing changes, uh, but also we see um, an unprecedented uh, biodiversity that wasn't recorded from these environments before because as we said usually these environments are recorded with uh, dredging or with diving and photographs and there's very little you you actually see only the outstanding species the, the ones that build their habitats but everybody in between the habitats we don't see these usually and we have a first uh, we have started to analyze the data already since last summer and we see as a major fraction of in, of species that have not been observed before. Some of them uh, are rare, while some of them we did not actually know they exist in these habitats. So they were not recorded previously in any of these environments. So we're starting to see a piece, a facet of the ecosystem, a biological facet of the ecosystem that we have not uh, recorded before. And that is very interesting because we now can see 
the balance between the, the, the more dominant and obvious species and those ones that are lingering in the background. And these species, they are there. They don't have an obvious function. But in the long term, they're really important for the resilience of the ecosystem. If the environment is changing due to natural causes or human pressures, then these species can often step up as a backup solution and help the ecosystem to recover or uh, uh, react to whatever pressure is coming onto the ecosystems. And if we don't have that, uh, these species, if they get lost, then the ecosystem is very vulnerable. So we are now starting to compare different ecosystem harbors, industrial areas, marine protected areas, and we see that the diversity, the hidden diversity in the ecosystem is a really uh, different one when, when we have uh, protected areas and uh, pristine areas, yes. So perhaps to, to summarize, um, this research is breaking new ground in biodiversity and ecosystem research. And also on the technical side, it's breaking new ground in in the in the virtual research environment, being able to integrate all this data. It's fascinating stuff. Thank you both very much for, for um, bringing your, you know, giving us your time and your expertise today. Um, Matthias, Katrina, fascinating stories. And I could just maybe remind listeners that um, LifeWatch Eric provides these e-science research facilities, obviously, for the researchers in the field of biodiversity ecosystem but we also provide training and learning opportunities for a wide range of users um you know we give free access to data services and research resources within the infrastructure and if you'd like to know more about this please visit us on our website www.lifewatch.eu Thank you very much for your attention today. I look forward to our next encounter.